It is time for us to begin our midday program here on a Friday. Thank you very much for joining us. We've got Bob Brogan, Jason Jorgensen, Susan Littlefield all in here. I was just handed this, so I want to make sure the information goes out here for Dawson County. Due to a sewer issue, the Dawson County Clerk's and Treasurer's Office is closing at 1 o'clock today. The rest of the courthouse will close at 3. So if you had plans to go up there, uh, don't. And they will be closing down at 1 o'clock. That sounds like a rough place to be anyway. You didn't want to do that with the sewers bad. Let's, uh, Let's start things off with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hey, you're going to hit the dislike button when I'm done talking, too. So, oh, you know. goodness. Okay. All right. Fine. What do you got for us? Hey, we got some clouds on the eastern end of the state. I wonder if we're going to get some, some precipitation. We'll take it. If we are, there's a lot of water vapor out there. There but, is that. But, but not a lot of organized rain. Nothing showing up on satellite right now. I feel bad for all the kids that are out detasseling right oh, now. Oh, gross. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Well, here's where your dislike button's going to come uh, with Chad Moyer. So we're just going to blame it all on Chad at 1219. Sure. Uh, weekly weather is with Al Dutcher. And Chad's message to me is, get your AC ready. You're going to need it. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Thanks, so that's Chad. your dislike button for the day. Okay. <laughs> then at 1245, Alex is going to step in. If you weren't hungry, you're definitely going to be after this. The Buffalo County 4-H Pie and Decorated Cake Auction is taking place at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds. That's going to take place on Thursday, July 22nd. So we're going to talk more about those details of how you can make some uh, purchases of some cakes and pies. Mm. Okay. All right. And then our FNBO Fridays in the Field continues. I catch up with Jim Camerath as he's got a new employee on his farm that's a buzz there. Mm. Talk about the bees and what they're doing on his operation Coming up here at 117. All right. Very good. Thanks, Susan. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Very good. Let's uh, turn it over to Jason, a well deserved contract extension at UNK. Yeah. For a women's basketball coach, Carrie Amy, she and her staff, they've done a wonderful job turning things back around with that program. Uh, She has signed a contract extension through the 2023 2024 season. We'll get her thoughts on that. The Lopers are coming out the year in which they advanced all the way to the Sweet 16. They won the MIAA Tournament Championship uh, when they won that down in Hayes. I'll never forget that. That was a that was a great day for the Lopers. And um, good things are on the horizon. This program is not going anywhere as long as Carrie Amy is there. Also, we'll talk about Major League Baseball. They'll get fired up again tonight. They hope. Uh, the Red oh, Sox yeah. and the Yankees were hoping to play last night, and that did not happen uh, due to COVID issues. And the Big 12 says no horns down, <laughs> as they are going to throw flags all over stadiums across the Midwest if any opposing players gives the horns down. <laughs> everybody yeah. at Texas A&M, if they were to play, yeah. everybody would have Texas yeah. would have horns down for that. So Texas is still calling the shots in the Big 12. <sighs> Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. All right. Thank you, Jason. Dislike button once again. All right. Let's go to uh, Bob Brogan. What do you got for us, Bob? Stocks are a little bit uh, lower in trading on Wall Street, despite some gains from a handful of big technology companies. And uh, also, Americans spent more last month on clothing and dining out as the economy opened up. Britain is bracing for acrimony on Monday when the government lifts a legal requirement to wear face coverings in most indoor settings and those are some of the stories making headlines today bracing for acrimony i like that sounds like a band name let's turn it over to susan for more 
Well, and good morning again. No need for a dislike button as we talk about what's been happening in the markets today. Mike Zuzalo is joining us. He's with Global Commodity Analytics for this midday market commentary. End of the week, we're wrapping up. We got some positive numbers and a positive feel at least happening on the grain side of things. Yeah, the Plains weather, I think, is still very much in focus, Susan, as we're kind of trying to clock in about a dollar a bushel gain for the week in the spring wheat complex. Plus, we uh, on a wheat-related note, we also saw China come in and buy soft red wheat from the United States. I think these are the two major drivers to close out a very explosive week in the prices and very explosive when it comes to the wheat especially. Do you see any concerns as we look at the livestock side of it? Um, African swine fever is reared its head in Germany, um, and we know China closed them off back in September of last year, but what is this going to mean for the markets? Well, I think that might be exactly what the futures market in hogs is starting to wonder about because it probably would have been a down day in the hogs if you would have been keeping track of of what we were dealing with in the hog sector prior to this news coming out. So I think the German herd and the the actual herd, not uh, uh, wild boars or something like that being the issue that's actually in the hog herd from what I'm understanding, could really open the door up because if the Germans have it, the Netherlands and China are both going to really wonder about what to do. Are we going to see pretty much a wrap-up on this cash for both cattle and hogs today? You know, I don't know if we will or not. There's a lot of talk out there that we've got to come back and and we're going to be pretty backed up in some circles. And I think that's certainly going to be the case in the north because I am hearing liquidation pressure coming out of Canada. They're kind of throwing in the towel up in that area. But I still feel like that with dress weights so much lower than they were a year ago today, uh, Susan, I feel like we probably have more of an issue of being more current at this stage of the game. So I wonder if maybe the dynamic between the hogs and the cattle and what we're talking about with this ASF won't bring some uh, end users off the uh, fence and, and get some uh, packers bidding up a little bit here as we close out the week. We might for an interesting rest of the afternoon. As we swing back and look at the the weather, obviously we've got some warm weather moving our way here in the States, but we go south into Brazil And you're talking a washout on corn. Yeah, Brazilian corn exports are being talked about being washed out, similar to what we faced in 2016, which is another really bad drought year. That's circulating around the market today, but we're not pricing that in right now, I think because of the Corn Belt rain, the spreading, and I think maybe the issue with the the spreads uh, between the July and the September never really coming together. So I think Monday may be a big day when it comes to watershed, crop conditions, Things like that maybe give the corn a better look. If you say that, obviously what's going to happen weather-wise over the weekend into Monday, what are some things we need to think about? Well, the noon weather maps are showing a little bit more rain for Saturday and Sunday in the northern plains, two different models now. And so I think that's something to really watch for Sunday night's trade, see maybe if the wheat gives way to the corn and the spreads reverse. And especially I'm hearing a lot of struggles in Ohio, sub-pumps running, everything to try to get this water moving. Yeah, August is going to be an interesting case for the soybeans. They may be the leader to the upside as we get into their reproductive phase as well. Lots of things to think about. Have a great weekend, Mike. Thanks, Susan, for having me, and you do the same. All right, thanks so much. Mike Zuzel has been joining us this morning. He's with Global Commodity Analytics and Midday Market Commentary. You can receive a two-week free trial of Mike's newsletter when you mention the Rural Radio Network at globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, might not be suitable for all investors. Mike Zuzel has been joining us. I'm Susan Littlefield. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Thanks. 
Time for us to take a look at our ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and see what's going on and how it's affecting agriculture around us and around the world. we got Paul Perkins in here. We're waiting for sunshine again as uh, we were last yesterday at this time. Exactly, and I think it will be arriving a little bit sooner today. We're seeing some uh, b- bigger peaks in the or bigger breaks in the clouds right now across much of the area. Uh, some pretty good gaps in those clouds from about the Hastings and Hebert area on into much of northern Kansas, but still a fair amount of cloud cover from west central areas of Nebraska and northwest Kansas. And also just pretty much right along the the interstate all the way from Lexington on into the eastern portions of Nebraska. Much of northern and western Nebraska, though, seeing some sunshine. Those temperatures warming a little bit more into those areas where we are seeing the sunshine, more so in the upper 70s to the low 80s, especially northwest Kansas, northeast Colorado, and the Nebraska Panhandle. Most of us right now with temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. Pretty nice day, really, and a good day, as you mentioned, on, on I-80 to drive with some cloud cover right now, uh, but uh, it sounds like things are going to warm up before yes. too long. Yeah, in the next week or so, we're going to see some above-normal temperatures. Also, you notice that humidity is a bit high. Those dew points currently in the mid-upper 60s and right around 70 for the dew point as you do head towards in, the east in York, of Nebraska. Of course, yes. in York. Heart of corn country <laughs> in right. Nebraska, for sure. Lots of sunshine on the way for Today, we will see increasing amounts of sunshine. Temperatures still slightly cooler than normal. Scattered thunderstorms a possibility across the west and central. Late today through tonight, we'll see some storms develop over the high plains and track to the east. A low-end marginal risk for severe weather over west, central, and western Nebraska and that tri-state area of southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. But once again, just a low-end marginal risk of severe weather. Our best chance of thunderstorms arriving for tomorrow night into Sunday with an increase in moisture and a stronger disturbance moving through. Rain total should range anywhere from a quarter of an inch to some locally higher amounts of an inch and a quarter. Isolated strong thunderstorms are a possibility, but no widespread severe weather expected. Thunderstorm chances diminish to a slight chance for Sunday night into Monday. Our temperatures this weekend through early next week will be seasonal to slightly below normal before our temperatures warm to above normal by late next week. A ridge of high pressure drying out that forecast for late next week. Long-term forecast reflects that. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal for Wednesday through July 29th. That better chance of warmer temperatures in the later periods for late July. Daytime highs for central Nebraska normally in the upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low to mid 60s. Going along with those warmer than normal temperatures, a very high likelihood of below normal rainfall Wednesday through July 29th for both Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors affecting the markets include dryness behind the front that continues to bring moderate to heavy rain in the central U.S. and the chance for another round of frost in Brazil. A cold front from the northeast U.S. to the southern plains will continue to drift to the southeast, settling across the southern U.S. by early next week. Additional rain amounts could range 1 to 3 inches along and south of a line from the southern plains to the far eastern Great Lakes. Dry weather will prevail the next five days across the upper Midwest, while only light showers will dot the drought-stricken northern plains. The drier weather behind the front may wipe out any benefit from recent rain over northwestern areas of the Midwest, but it will benefit the saturated soils across the south and east Midwest. Southern plains could stay active through Monday with isolated to scattered rain, a benefit for developing 
developing to reproductive corn and soybeans. The remaining Southern Plains winter wheat harvest, though, going to have to dodge the rain or continue to wait. Central Brazil's dry weather continues to stress the filling corn. A front bringing some isolated rain to Southern Brazil through the weekend could offer a limited benefit to corn that is still further behind in development. There is another chance for some frost in Southern Brazil Sunday through Tuesday that could be even more detrimental to their corn crop. It's interesting, the extremes again. We have a very dry Brazil and Western Europe is just drowning. You know, it's just feast or famine in so many areas. So, And then, you know, eastern areas of the Midwest right now seeing a lot of rain. Uh, They actually want some drier weather. Of course, uh, we're kind of in the middle. Could be using another shot, but we're not doing too bad. Of course, yeah, farther west, uh, very dry and hot. Mm, Something else. All right, very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go check in on your weather? Weather page, krvn.com. Good afternoon. As we take a look at the market trade, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Problems with the U.S. crop are well documented, but reports are now emerging that three-fourths of the Canadian prairie crop belt is in similar condition. Other support comes from recent adverse weather resulting in lower production estimates for Russia. Coming from Stonex and Arlen Suderman, he says this has shifted settlement that the wheat market this year, with the market now believing it needs to price winter wheat out of the feed bunk to preserve some of those supplies. Soybeans have been tight in balance sheet among the summer row crops with temperatures in the western areas of the ag belt heating up again as critical pod set and pod fill stages will start to develop. We're looking at September corn, 561 and a half down two and three quarters. December 556 and a half, a quarter to the higher soybeans for August at 1460 up 12 and a half. And November 1396, 16 to the higher in the wheat side of the market. First two Kansas City, September 655 and three quarters up 15 and a half. December 666 up 15 and a quarter. Chicago, September 694 and a half up 22 and a half. And December $7 and three quarters. That market is up 22. On the livestock side of the trade, we're looking at the lean hog complex rallying upon hearing that the African swine fever has been detected now in two domestic herds in Germany. Moving forward, that could mean the U.S. is able to capitalize on some more export opportunities as the cash market for the cattle remains pretty quiet, no bids in the offer. Right now, October live cattle, 126.02 is down 50. December, 131.50, down 30. Feeders for August, 155.92, down 145. September, 158.27, down 95. Lean hogs for August, 120.55, down 57. October, 90.72, up 132. That is your markets. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. If you have had a loss of income due to COVID-19, the state of Nebraska may be able to help you make rent and utility payments. Visit coronavirus.nebraska.gov to apply for help and learn more about the Emergency Rental Assistance Program for Nebraska residents. This program is for renters, not homeowners, and requires proof of income and financial impact of COVID-19. Apply today at coronavirus.nebraska.gov or call 833-500-8810. That's 833-500-8810. If you live in an older home, your little one might be at risk of being exposed to lead. Lead is toxic metal, and lead-based paint is still found in many older homes across Nebraska. Lead poisoning can impact a child's growth and development for their entire lifetime. Talk to your child's doctor about lead testing. A simple blood test can detect lead poisoning in your child. Get the facts about lead by visiting leadsafe.ne.gov. Sponsored by Nebraska DHHS, aired with the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. 
Welcome into your Friday afternoon, and it is time now to take a check of the latest in agriculture news today. Since it's Friday, it means that we're up for this week's episode of Fridays in the Field, brought to you by FNBO. And Susan Littlefield says that work on the Camrath farm in Polk County has gone to the bees. We all know the important role pollinators play on a farming operation. But for the Camraths, they got to see it firsthand this last year and again this year, utilizing honeybees to help pollinate their pumpkin patch. As Jim Camrath told me, the honeybees bring great results in the pumpkins. Yes, uh, Matt uh, knows a gentleman in town, uh, Charlie Barr, who is, we have one hive uh, and uh, he brings it out every year and uh, for the bees and he'll leave it here till uh, oh shoot probably in August sometime he'll take it but uh, yeah this uh, they last year we uh, had that difficulty but I was telling you about the uh, wind and the hail and the patch at that time uh, we looked at it and didn't think it was going to mount to anything but it was probably one of the better uh, pumpkin crops that Matt has had in a number of years but boy it looked terrible after that and I you know, give all the credit, obviously, to the bees. I mean, they, uh, they do, they've done a tremendous job, Susan, let me put it that way. So I guess we could say things are a-buzzin' at the Camrath operation. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. All right, thanks, Susan. And stick around because in about an hour, one seventeen, you can hear the full episode of this week's Fridays in the Field. Well, from farming to rodeo, it's been two years in the making, but the National High School Finals Rodeo has finally made it to Lincoln, Nebraska, but not without some challenges. Whitney Steckel has more. Storms swept across the state, leaving some issues at the Lancaster Event Center as they prepared for the National High School Finals Rodeo. But volunteers got together and rebuilt horse stalls and other things in preparation for the event. James Higginbotham, the executive director of the National High School Rodeo Association, tells us more. We got dealt a little blow this week with weather and, you know, some elements you can control and some you can't, and that's one of them. But I got to say I was highly impressed with the volunteer people that come out and help clean up the mess that we did have. And now we're back on track. We've, we've set up stalls in a record four days. We've got a couple more to do, but we're, we're going to be there, and the kids are going to be able to rodeo. The National High School Finals Rodeo will go on as planned at the Lancaster Event Center July 18th through 24th. There will not only be two performances per day, Monday through Saturday, but they also have a trade show that is great for spectators and competitors alike. Thanks, Whitney. And James also added that the National High School Finals Rodeo isn't all about rodeo. We have volleyball going on. We have dances every night. We have what we call Cinch Town, where it's fun activities during the week. Uh, Try to keep the kids busy, but they're going to go downtown and check it out. So if you see somebody with a back number on, you know they're with High School Rodeo, and we leave that there for a purpose. It's to let people know who they are. I think you'll find them to be very respectful, very courteous. And the National High School Finals Rodeo kicks off this Sunday. And finally, this afternoon, the Nebraska Department of Education will receive nearly $25,000 through USDA's Farm to School grants. The grant will be used to help promote farm to school programming for child nutrition programs, including Harvest of the Month, Nebraska Thursdays, and the Nebraska Crunch Off. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to Agriculture News on the Rural Radio Network.
Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. Al, thanks for joining us again here today. Well, it uh, the, the weather has certainly got the attention of the markets. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's in store for us uh, here in the weeks ahead. Al, how much, uh, how much heat and how much precipitation is in the forecast for the state of Nebraska? Well, I wish I could give you a really good, solid answer on that, but overall, I think our best chances for precipitation are going to fall over the next three days, and then things are just basically going to fall apart as we see this ridge from the west start to build into the central plains. Right now, we're looking at a piece of energy rotating around the periphery of that ridge, along with some short waves moving through the northern plains, and by all accounts, it's going to set off some isolated thunderstorm activity this afternoon and this evening, uh, much less chances as we get into the panhandle, although we can't rule out a few isolated thunderstorms and I don't think most of that will make it through to eastern Nebraska today but however tomorrow as that high pressure ridge pushes a little bit farther to the east another pulse of energy will rotate around that and we should see some thunderstorm generation through central and eastern Nebraska and then we see another pulse that just came into the models this morning that's really highlighting a pretty robust piece of uh, energy rotating around that ridge on Monday that targets the Missouri River Valley. That's kind of new in the model, so we'll see whether or not that verifies out. But after that, the heat really moves in. We'll be talking about mid-90s to upper-90s consistently across the western one-third of the state through this upcoming week, probably pushing above 100 as we get into the mid to late week period in isolated portions of the Sand Hills and northern, pan, uh, northern uh, Panhandle. And we'll start to see our temperatures in eastern Nebraska creep up gradually as we go through this next five days into the lower to mid-90s and probably pushing up into the mid to upper 90s by the time we get to the end of next week. That's where we start to get into a little bit of uh, questionable in regards to how long the heat will last because there is a trough coming in the Pacific Northwest, and depending on how that trough interacts with that ridge will determine where the actual monsoon moisture rotating around that ridge will line up. And right now, it looks like it's going to be fairly close to Nebraska. If it pushes a little bit farther south, then we would see a lot of that moisture moving across the entire state. But right now, I would think that the best locations will be across the northern half. We're going to see some very high humidity levels once that monsoon moisture starts to kick around that high-pressure system later next week. So we're going to see our dew point temperatures really start to ramp up when we're moving up into the upper 60s to low 70s by the end of next week. I think the biggest issue is going to be how much irrigation is going to go on and how much of that is going to push a strain on the electrical grid. And we start to see rotation of, of uh, shutting off electricity for short amounts of time to keep everything from falling apart. Now, I do know that some extra generation is probably being moved into that area, so hopefully we'll be able to get through this without any significant shutoffs of electricity. But otherwise, we are looking at some very hot temperatures. And the real key to this is as we go into the last few days of July and early August, whether or not that cooling trend that was advertised the last few days does materialize. And when I say cooling trend, we're just basically going to drop back into the lower 80, or excuse me, the upper 80s and the lower 90s. So it'll be a slight break, but it really is going to boil down to after this heat can we continue to get some good moisture during the early part of August? Otherwise, we're probably going to start to see some pretty significant stress occurring in, in various areas of the state that we're not fortunate enough to receive some of the heavier precipitation over this last seven days. All right, very good. As always, great insight. Thanks so much for the information. Nebraska Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher and our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting.
Thanks. It is time for us to check in on Midday Sports. Jason back in here with us again. And uh, the thing we kind of touched on early on was uh, the after, you know, in in the thing about Carrie, that she, I think, has done such a good job at UNK about, too, and we mentioned this a while back, is these are student-athletes. These girls not only got it done on the court, they're getting it done in the classroom, they too. They did, and UNK Athletic Director Mark Bauer announced today that head women's coach Carrie Amy has signed a contract extension through the 2023-24 season. This morning, I had a chance to talk to Amy about her new deal. Anytime that you, you uh, get an invitation to keep keep doing what you're doing and keep building what you're building, I think is, uh, is a great thing and says, says something about progress and, and, uh, you know, getting things moving in the right direction. So, um, we're excited about it and, and looking forward to continuing to, to work. Now, prior to her arrival, the Lopers had won just 58 games over six seasons. She has 113 wins already at UNK. She's seen her team finish in the top eight in the MIAA every year, and she became the first female head coach to win the MIAA tournament in 23 years. Finally, the Lopers have won 49 out of the last 59 games. They returned the majority of their roster from last year's nationally ranked squad that made it all the way to the Sweet 16. Those kind of numbers, she's going to be getting some attention probably from higher up, maybe. And there have been. I mean, there have been, but she's she's still at UNK. and She's still yeah. coaching the Lopers, and that's a good thing for the blue and gold. Stop if you've heard this one before. Brooks Kepka is in the mix in a major. Four-time major champion reeled off eight birdies in the second round of the British Open, more than enough to offset his mistakes. That led to a 66 and put him at 5 under, 135. However, Louis Oosthuizen who dipped a little bit. Now he has a lead back at 10 under, and for all intents and purposes, looks like a decent day of golf yeah, over there across the pond. Yesterday, when you were in here, you said it's good right now. Just wait, <laughs> it's going to fall apart. And it did, but right now, a lot of sun, and it looks pretty good, and that that's a major player always in the open. Big 12 coordinator of officials Greg Burke said at Big 12 Media Days yesterday that cracking down on taunting will be a point of emphasis for the league this year. Midway through taking questions from reporters, Burks was asked about the gift that keeps on giving for Big 12 officials, the horns down symbol, a taunt directed at Texas that's been an on and off again struggle as a judgment call for the officials. Burke said, let me put it this way, if you do a horns down to a Texas player as an opponent, that's probably going to be a foul. So for our many friends across Kansas, K-State, be careful next year. Don't offend the Longhorns. So so then the opposite should be true. If a Texas player does horns up, that's taunting the other team. I see your logic. I, I see your logic. Uh, just, yeah. just the uh, Texas. Yeah. Also, uh, opening ceremonies at Cornhusker State Games take place tonight in Lincoln. Hopefully they have a good, quiet dry night for that event of the capital city lots of folks involved just don't put those horns down don't do that (laughs) thanks jason (laughs) co-op.com after being delayed by the pandemic one of summer's biggest events is back kearney cruise night Brad Kernick of the central nebraska auto club talks about how great it is to have cruise night back it feels good for myself, for the club, and for all the automobile enthusiasts in the region to not be able to do what we want to do for over a year, that's pretty frustrating. Yeah, we're excited to be back in the groove. We think things are going to be pretty darn normal this year. 
Saturday is the show and shine in downtown Kearney. Kernick says in a normal year, they have over 500 cars with entries from eight or nine different states. Kearney Cruise Night runs now through Sunday, July 18th. A Nebraska state senator and financial advisor has officially launched his campaign for governor. Senator Brett Lindstrom of Omaha announced he will run in the Republican primary. Lindstrom, a former walk-on Husker quarterback, is serving his second term in the legislature. In his campaign announcement video, Lindstrom says he'll push for tax cuts if elected. The 40-year-old said Nebraska needs, quote, a new generation of leadership. Lindstrom is looking to replace Governor Peter Ricketts, who can't run again in 2022 because of term limits. Two other candidates, University of Nebraska Regent Jim Pillen and Nebraska businessman Charles Herbster, have already launched their campaign and are running ads. A 44-year-old Omaha man who police say was hunting sex offenders when he fatally shot a man last year in a vigilante killing has been sentenced to up to 70 years in prison. James Fairbanks was sentenced Wednesday to 40 to 70 years in prison for the May 14, 2020 shooting death of 64-year-old Matteo Condolci in Omaha. Fairbanks pleaded no contest in April to second-degree murder and a gun charge in the case. Prosecutors say Fairbanks showed up at Condolci's door with a rifle and fired seven shots into Condolci, a convicted sex offender. Authorities say Fairbanks didn't know Condolci, but had found him in an Internet search for registered sex offenders. NU Board of Regents Vice Chair Bob Ferris announced today that he will not seek a fourth term on the board. He served two terms as mayor of North Platte before being appointed to represent District 7 on the NU Board of Regents by former Governor Dave Heineman in 2006. After 15 years on the board, Ferris says serving as Western Nebraska's voice on the Board of Regents has been one of the greatest honors of my life. Ferris says he and his fellow regents have worked to cut average annual tuition increases by more than half, from 8% to 3.5%, giving the University of Nebraska the lowest in-state tuition rates of all Big Ten institutions. Ferris has twice served as chairman of the Board of Regents in 2010 and 2015 and was elected vice chair in February 2021. In accordance with board policy, he will serve as chair in 2022, his final year on the board. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Get ready for the 2021 Buffalo County 4-H Pie and Decorated Cake Auction. It's coming up right around the corner, and we're getting all the details today with Cameron Olferts with Nebraska Extension. Cameron, tell us a little bit more about this event and what's going on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So our 4-H Pie and Decorated Cakes Auction is a longstanding tradition in Buffalo County. The purpose of it when it was originally created was um, it was actually created by a volunteer in our county who really wanted to bring more awareness to the static exhibit side of fair, which includes, um, we always joke, it's our side of the fair that's not living. So baking, sewing, cooking, photography, science, technology, you name it, those are the static exhibits. And so this person decided to kind of have this idea that 4-H'ers would bring their pies, it would be an auction, it would be a fundraiser where the proceeds are actually split evenly between the 4-H Baker and our 4-H scholarship fund. And it's important to mention, too, that these static exhibits, students from all age ranges are submitting things. Is that right? 
Yes, yep, students that are ages 8 to 18, and we take um, all pies from purples, blues, and reds, and they're able to, to come to the auction. All right. You also mentioned there's another half of this. It's called a cakewalk. Describe this for us. Yes, yeah, so we auction off our champion decorated cakes at the pie auction, and the remainder of our decorated cakes go to our cakewalk, which is the same day. It's July 21st, or excuse me, July 22nd. It's at 1 p.m., and it's at our extension building. It's the moment that we open the doors, and families are able to come in and look at all their ribbons and see how their projects did, and that's kind of our celebration at the beginning of fair for families to come and it doesn't cost any money you just go on the cakewalk and you're able to get a free cake all right and 4-hers get awfully creative with the pies and the decorated cakes they bring tell me about some of the ones that that stand out in your mind absolutely so uh with actually with the pandemic last year we did our pie and decorated cake auction virtually and so even then we had a lot of different creative different uh, creations. I'm I'm thinking back now to last year, we had a pineapple pie, which I thought was uh, very interesting. We've had blueberry, raspberry, the classic apple and cherry pie. And a lot of times they'll do combinations of all those different fruits. And I always like the decorated cakes that um, kind of look like an illusion. You know, they use different pieces of cake to turn it into um, making it look like an object or a person. And the creativity and ingenuity is, is different every year, and I love to see that. And these static exhibits that you're talking about, there's there's all different types of static exhibits, but it's important to men- mention that that part of 4-H is just as important as probably the more prominent livestock side of 4-H. What sort of things are they learning? Absolutely. I think that they all the areas of 4-H definitely teach important life skills. And I think one thing that all areas of 4-H share in common is the interview side of things, the public speaking. So similar to livestock, at the static exhibit side, we have interview judging every year where these youth are able to bring these projects they've worked very hard on, whether that's a robot or it's a safety poster or it's a dress that they've sewn. They bring it to the judge and they explain what they learned during the process. And that gives the, the judge an opportunity to really see the learning and see kind of what they were able to overcome, the challenges they were able to overcome when learning something new in these projects. And I think that public speaking side is absolutely invaluable. We're visiting with Cameron Olferts with Nebraska Extension. And Cameron, the Buffalo County Fair coming up right around the corner. What are you most excited for? Oh, my goodness. There are so many things. I think I'm I'm most excited to just see the growth of our 4-Hers. You know, last year we were masked. And so there were um, not many smiles that we got to see. So I, I really just look forward to seeing how our 4-Hers have grown throughout the years and see what they've learned, especially in such a tough year that we've had. It's kind of a, a celebration of coming together, and I'm really looking forward to it. All right. And one last time, this Buffalo County 4-H Pie and Decorated Cake Auction, when and where is that going to take place? It is on Thursday, July 22nd at 5.30 p.m., and that's located at the Buffalo County Exhibit Building at the fairgrounds in Kearney. All right, Cameron, great information. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Again, we've been visiting with Cameron Olfords with Nebraska Extension in Buffalo County. And one more thing I wanted to mention on Buffalo County. We will be live streaming some of their livestock shows. And if you're interested in watching those and you won't be able to attend, you can go to krvn.com. There's an events tab and you can click on County Fair live streams and there you will find the link. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are slightly lower in trading on Wall Street despite gains from a handful of big technology companies. The market is mostly unchanged for the week as investors wait to see what the quarterly earnings season has in store next week. The S&P 500 index and the Dow Jones Industrial Average were both down two-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq Composite was about flat. Intel rose 2% after the Wall Street Journal reported that the chip maker is in talks to buy global foundries for about $30 billion. Americans spent more last month on clothing and dining out as the economy opened up amid fewer pandemic-related restrictions. The Commerce Department says retail sales rose a seasonally adjusted six-tenths of a percent in June from the month before. The increase was a surprise to Wall Street analysts who had expected sales to fall slightly last month. Sales at bars and restaurants rose 2.3 percent, Clothing store sales rose by 2.6%, and sales at electronic shops were up 3.3%. Britain is bracing for acrimony on Monday when the government lifts a legal requirement to wear face coverings in most indoor settings, including shops, trains, buses, and subways. Donning a mask in many places will stop being an order and become a request. Already, people are divided about how to respond, with some saying they will ditch their face coverings and others vowing to keep wearing them. As cases and deaths rise again in the U.K., the government is urging people to exercise caution. The debate is the latest sign of how the humble face mask has become a highly charged focus of disagreement. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Too Tall Factors being put into this market trade. A rundown of the August numbers. We look at, uh, first of all, the September corn at 559 and a quarter down five. December 554 and three quarters down one and a half. The August soybeans, 1458 up 10 and a half. And November sits at 1395 and a quarter up 15 and a quarter. Wheat numbers out of Kansas City, September 652 and a quarter up 12. December 662 and three quarters up 12. Chicago, September 693 up 21. December 699 and three quarters up 21. Still have not been able to receive updated numbers out of Minneapolis. As the Lane Hog Complex was rallied upon hearing that African swine fever has been detected in two of the domestic herds in Germany, moving forward, it could mean the U.S. is able to capitalize on more export opportunities for pork. 
October live cattle settled out 125.60 down 92. December 130.132 down 47. Feeders for August 155.62 down 175. And September 158.50 down 72. Lean hogs for August closed 120.17 down 95. October 90.75 up 135. December 83.87 up 107. As for the Class 3 milk for August, 1679 down 19 cents. That's a look to your markets. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Prescription opioids can be addictive and dangerous. I lost my dad to prescription opioid addiction. Everybody knows somebody who is struggling with this very problem. Losing my mentor, my best friend, somebody who made me the person that I am. He took one pill too many that ultimately killed him. Prescription opioids. It only takes a little to lose a lot. Developed by CDC. Sponsored by the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services and aired in cooperation with the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. Here's today spent roaming and to sleeping beneath the stars, to casting another line and letting time float by. From Shadron State Park to Indian Cave State Park and every recreation area, historical and state park in between. Here's to your adventures, your memories. Here's to 100 years of your Nebraska State Parks. Plan your next trip today at NebraskaParks100.org. Sponsored by Nebraska Game and Parks. Aired with the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. back now to the Rural Radio Network. As we focus on livestock, I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, not very often the futures market toes in the line and generally tries to trade higher in the live cattle complex. But this past week, the market has worked vigorously. And as some say maddening the cash cattle markets, wasn't able to really use the broad's positive momentum and its advantage. And that being packers have cattle, excuse me, have cattle secured for the week. That had of little what was feedlots can do to entice them to support the cash cattle market. August live cattle actually saw a downward trade on the day. And the Friday's cash cattle trade has been generally non-existent as packers are letting the day pass, seeming to have their needs met for the week. And that could be some trade this afternoon if the packers need to load or two. But at this point, we're looking for a pretty much wrap-up of the business. Box beef prices also saw a lower action on the trade today. Feeder cattle not much inspired on the fetal cattle market as corn ticks slightly higher and the traders continue to sit on the sidelines, seeming to not want to risk their positions ahead of the weekend. Just as the world is exhausted from the effects of COVID-19, another beast that the world has not seemed to tame is African swine fever. And this morning, news broke that Germany has now found ASF in some of their domestic pigs. The country has found cases in its wild boars, but never in the domestic. And the futures markets have obviously caught wind of this news and hope to be able to capture more export opportunities for those in the U.S. So finishing out the market on a Friday, October live cattle finished down 92 at 125.60. December 130, 132 down 47. Feeders for August 155.62 down 175. September 158.50 down 72. Lean hogs for August 120.17 down 95. And October 90.75 up 135. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Equal Housing Lender. July, but at the Camrath operation, it's beyond that, as you can see. It is time once again for Fridays in the Field, being brought to you by FNBL, the great big small bank. We are just south of Columbus in Polk County, where Mother Nature has been absolutely gracious. We appreciate all the rain that she has brought to the producers in this area, because for a while, we had some of that orange color showing up on the drought map, but not as much now. As, of course, Jim Camrath is joining us, and we got to talk rain, first and foremost. You have been absolutely blessed. With rain. Uh, uh, yes, we have. It's, uh, I was, uh, it was about the uh, second or third week in June. Uh, we had uh, over a period of about three or four days that uh, uh, we had oh, about three inches. And uh, that lasted, oh, it got pretty warm then at one point in time. It was in the 90s, and that lasted probably a week, and we started irrigating again. And then here last Friday, uh, we had another inch, and then on Saturday we had another quarter of an inch. So yes, it was a, uh, it was uh, really blessed to have that, and it and it really really helps. I tell you. Anytime, Jim, that you can get rain in the month of July is, is pure blessing. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there was been times uh, it was an it was an old twelve. Uh, these pivots uh, right here where I live uh, nonstop all year long. I mean, it was it was really in the red on the map that year. Unfortunately, we all remember 2012. Well, yes, that was a bad thing. We brought cows home from Burwell in the middle of August, at the, or first part of August, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, lot of uh, droughts going on then, that's for sure. Let's talk about this corn behind us. It looks absolutely amazing. Some of the best corn I've seen in the area. Well, it's, uh, this was planted in uh, about the uh, 25th, 26th of April. Uh, it's 112 to 113 day corn and uh, here in the last, with all the humidity and everything, you know, as, as far as that goes, uh, it really shot up and tasseled here within the last week or 10 days. So now it's starting to go pollinate and... Uh, any Japanese leaf beetle, any other insect concerns uh, that you have? I haven't detected anything like that yet. That's good news. Yes, yes it is. Every, anything is good news, yes. We, last time we were here, we had the opportunity to kind of check out your, your pumpkin patch and... Um, you know, one of the things that we also have talked about many, many times is the important role that pollinators take in agriculture. And you guys have got a hive that you have rented to be here to help take care of this pumpkin patch. Yes, uh, Matt uh, knows a gentleman in town, uh, Charlie Barr, who is, we have one hive uh, and uh, he brings it out every year and uh, for the bees and he'll leave it here till, uh, oh shoot, probably in August sometime he'll take it. But uh, yeah, this uh, they last year we uh, had that difficulty. But I was telling you about the uh, wind and the hail, and the patch at that time uh, we looked at it and didn't think it was going to mount to anything. But it was probably one of the better uh, pumpkin crops that Matt has had in a number of years. But boy, it looked terrible after that. And I, you know, give all the credit obviously to the bees. I mean they. Uh, They've they done a tremendous job, Susan, let me put it that way. And for you guys, I think the educational side of it as well, is you get to see the important role that these bees take in agriculture. Uh, well, yeah, like I said before, you know, as, uh, it, it's, a, it's a process that I was told about, but I'm still learning about it. Of course, you can check out the full video of us at the Camrath operation through our website and social media platforms. Crops knock on wood. They're looking good. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
Well, good afternoon. As we take a look at the grain trade, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Joining us, John Payne. He's a senior market analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. An interesting way to wrap up a Friday. We saw uh, some really poorer numbers when it came to the corn trade, John. Yeah, it was an interesting dynamic there. You know, we had a bullish news from uh, from the wheat side of things, both weather-wise up in the Minnesota area, the spring wheat area, and then in um, in the in the demand side, China was seeing the markets buying some U.S. soft red wheat from the Northwest. We didn't see any uh, any real news in the corn to to make prices you know rally, and we we closed seven off the low or seven off the high rather, um, and back below 550 on the December futures. Kind of shocks me. The forecasts really aren't great going forward for the next week and a half, and uh, uh, I'd be surprised if we we don't catch a bit at some point. Corn has been reticent to go into the uh, into the gap there that everybody who follows the charts looks at. It just hasn't gotten the strength to get through the, the low the low five uh, sixties. You, you got to think that we have a run up there at some point still in the future. I think the forecasts will support it, but maybe wheat needs to just cool off a little bit and get the get the back spreaders away. Is saying that with the wheat, can we blame it on on the weather and on the fact that China's back and and buying wheat this time? Oh yeah, weather. I mean, weather's the the, the main story here, and so um, you know it's a 2012 type drought going on up in the Canadian border. You know, in Montana next week it's going to be 100 degrees. So at this point in time, you really worry more about soybeans, I think, with that kind of weather. But wheat is you're kind of having this dynamic where. Um, you know, we all have, let's say we're all on, a, on an airplane, we're all waiting to get on the airplane, well, there aren't enough seats. Somebody has to, to put up their hand and cry uncle and say, I'm going to take a bump, and that's what this repricing is doing. You're, you're going to find some, some demand shift away. I think you'll get the back of the curve, really, is the opportunity in the market uh, for marketing. And, and looking at Kansas City wheat, you look at July. July Kansas City wheat for 22 is trading at 660, 670. That's a probably decent price to get started on a little bit early marketing if you're it's something you're into. Um, we got crop insurance prices set over the next month, starting in, in early August. So, I think that uh, wheat sets the tone. I, uh, we're going to trade a forecast Sunday night. I'd be prepared for some upside explosion, um, you know. But corn and corn and, and beans certainly couldn't get over their hurdles today at fourteen dollars, and we'll call it the the gap at six seventy. All right, sounds good. Have a great weekend, John. Thanks. Joining us has been John Payne. He's with Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more about them at danielsagmarketing.com. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to KRVN. Dot com. It's one twenty.